Welcome back to Pacific Voices, where we're hearing some Pacific Islands' perspectives on climate change. The biggest challenge in many small island countries in the Pacific is all of the plastic, the metal, and the other outside goods that enter the countries. You see, Pacific Island countries have traditional ways of managing waste that have been successful for hundreds or thousands of years, but they don't necessarily work with all of these manufactured goods from the outside. And this is a climate issue too, because if you live on a coral atoll, there aren't a lot of places to put a landfill. Landfills usually have to be built along the coast and often on reclaimed land, which means they're at risk from increasingly high tides as the sea level rises. Today's episode is with Kaya Ribbonatak. Kaya is an up-and-coming local expert on coastal and waste management in Kiribati. He worked with the Geosciences Division of the government for many years, and has moved on to consult on internationally supported climate security and disaster awareness projects. But his big focus is waste, and he recently founded a consultancy called Clean Spatial Solutions that aims to reduce, recycle, and reuse more of the outside materials that come into Kiribati. We sat down to talk about his own path, what happens to waste in Tarawa, and the role that culture plays in solving waste challenges. My name is Kaya Aripanatag. I'm 32 years old now, and yeah, I have a bachelor in marine management and also human resource management. But I recently uh, acquired my master's in climate change in Wellington. So now uh, my focus is more on uh, climate change and sustainable development. So what first got you interested in climate change? Climate change is uh, it's part of our daily uh, issues. Like we live with the, the risk that someday we might <laughs> you know, face this kind of sea uh, level rise. And so when I first uh, studied marine, I thought that's the main focus of my area. So I was planning to do like marine resources management. But throughout the period of my uh, career, I found out that you know all these things happening around the world is all linked to climate change. So even our marine resources is declining and they are all linked to somehow climate change. So the change in the temperature, water temperature, the shift in the, you know, those are, uh, what you call the weather patterns and stuff, El uh, Nino and La Nina. So yeah. it's a very complex uh, issue. And uh, I decided to maybe try and shift my attention and focus on how climate change is affecting our, especially island, our resources, because we rely hundred, mostly 100% on tuna species and we don't have other sources of income. So I think uh, climate change, by focusing on climate change, we can find ways maybe how we can you know, develop strategies in the future you know, to overcome these issues. We know that one day we'll, our island will sink, but we never know that the science is there, but we really don't understand everything. So that's why the challenge for me is to learn more in this area and also try to combat these current issues we are facing, like uh, impact of uh, marine plastic, uh, what you call the emission from uh, uh, waste. Yeah. So those are the main concerns around the island, especially waste. So both climate change and waste I'm trying to uh, focus on because I know waste is also producing a lot of methane and stuff like that. So by providing like uh, business uh, solutions like to reduce uh, uh, like organic waste, maybe uh, converting this organic waste into uh, uh, compost and stuff like that uh, is to complement uh, what our government is trying to uh, I mean do for the this issue and I think uh, most of the solution that the government provides is 
<laughs> kind of limited, depending on because they have limited resources. And I believe that uh, through private sector as well, if we contribute and align our works, you know, we'll support the government entirely. So, yeah. It's interesting. So you're talking about be, um, your interest being climate change and waste. Mm. And I have to say, as somebody that's that's uh, been visiting Kiribati on and off for, for mm. more than 15 years, uh, those are the two things that you first think about when you visit, yes. right? Climate change, because just the setting of the atolls being so close to the ocean, it's an obvious one, but all, but also waste. And uh, how does how does waste disposal even work here? Uh, yes, that's the main issues that uh, the, even the government alone is still trying to solve. And our local government, even some uh, business, uh, uh, private business, they're trying to uh, provide solutions to this issue. But they're so, I mean, the, the, it's very significant. And I think it goes down to the how people, I mean, re, I mean their mentality. Yeah. Because mo majority of the people, they don't care much about waste, even at the household level. So there's a lot of work you have to be done with like, consultation with in local communities. There's a need to a change in our, our lifestyle. Yeah. Because uh, we don't see waste as an issue and we live with waste like our entire life. Mm -hmm. So that's the main issue and it's a very challenging uh, issue that we are trying to solve. Because even the government provides a lot of incentive, even our partners, New Zealand, Australia, it's been going on for like 20 years. You see, that there's a lot of projects on waste, but yeah. still the, the issue is there. And there's no and, uh, sign of reduction in waste. And more people are like, our population is increased. And while our land mass is very uh, limited. So now we are facing the issue of, uh, you know, we have these three uh, landfills uh, will be, uh, I mean, uh, completely full in a few two years time. Within two years. Really? Yeah. Wow. So there's a question now. Uh, after that, where are we going to dump our waste? So that's when I try to propose this idea of uh, entrepreneurship. Like, so waste is something we can we don't have to see it as a, a issue, but maybe as a potential of, you know, uh, finding a business uh, proposition in waste. So the, the business plan that I provide is to convert waste into different products. Yeah. So that's our I main first step to, to this issue. So we managed to get that contract from the government. So we were given that contribution on our business proposal and they were very interested in trying this because it's a, very, it's a new uh, business I mean, plan and they see it as, uh, I mean, uh, there's a potential in it and they are trying to encourage this because uh, <laughs> they know most of the business, they are applying for this con I mean, contract as a, as a business people. For myself, I did try and you know in invest in more of uh uh like uh the understanding of how thing as an academic person so yeah that's uh my view on waste so that's why i was given that contract so i'm running that uh, waste uh, and we're trying to work with the environment uh, ministry of environment yeah so we're establishing a lot of uh, waste collection and we're trying to go down to the community level and work with them uh, and just try to demonstrate how important is waste because they once they return that waste we can incentivize that uh you know uh, recycling so yeah. we're providing incentive but through the government uh, uh monetary system so we have the uh, already established this uh uh special fund so well, when people return those cans bottles they get money in return yeah because the can recycling seems to be working but yes plastic bottles is not plastic bottles at the moment they are the machine is down 
Ah. It's been for it's been down for three years now. So, but we are still waiting for the replacement. I think the they will have it uh, next month or the following month. But in, even that, uh, I mean, uh, solution is not the exact. Uh, I mean, uh, solution for this issue because they are bailing plastic and sending it overseas. Yeah, you really want you want to find a way to reuse it. Yeah. yeah. So the proposal that I made is to you know reuse those plastic. So we will dry and shred those plastic and reinvent like plastic materials rather than importing those uh, like plastic plates. Why not just use our own plastic waste and maybe do make our produce our own uh, like uh, pla I mean, plastic products made from kitipas. We moved on to talking about the challenge of changing the old ways of doing things. You see, in the old days, Everything that was being used was organic. It was all from the local land. So when you were finished, you could leave it under the coconut trees, leave it in a sort of locally made garbage or landfill area, and it would break down over time. It was all natural. But now that people are relying on plastic and Western packaged goods, the local practices remain, but they're not working as well anymore. And that's really hard to change. And so Kaya talks about the benefits of working with youth. Um, I love that you're reaching out to kids and working that way. Uh, the impression I've gotten over the years from just the culture here is that often people do the opposite, which is that you would reach out to the elders first because of how much, how much just like the cultural structure is where you, where you really respect and listen to your elders and that's, you know, what they say goes. Um, is it hard to convince people to think a little bit from the youth, like upwards? Yes, I think uh, for the Tarawa island, I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, changes in Tarawa because we have a mix of culture. Mm -hmm. But if you go further to the other island, that's where we get uh, like a lot of issues because uh, they still maintain that traditional structure. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to, you know, once we enter that society, there's a lot of uh, protocols you have to follow. And even reaching out to the, you know, the youth and young kids, you have to go through that structure, I mean, protocol as well. So. You know, but uh, there are some, uh, I mean, progress with the government uh, trying to uh, promote this uh, equal, uh, equality and, you know, yeah. gender equality, everything. So people are now more uh, aware of uh, their rights as well. Mm. You know, even though they, uh, they respect our tradition, but they know they should also uh, include it in every decision like made for the island because they are, everyone is uh, contributing to their own development. So, but uh, I think we are getting there. Not tomorrow but maybe in 10 years time <laughs> <laughs> well i gotta tell you this is why i'm always so impressed to meet someone like you and other uh you know younger folks uh here here in kiribati that are outspoken and trying to and you know really trying to push solving things like you know solving adaptation questions waste mm -hmm. questions etc because culturally it's not that easy as a young person i mean at home you know at home back in north america it's a little bit more I guess sort of like traditionally accepted in the uh, mm. culture, but here I know that it's just a very different thing. And so it's impressive to see how much people are um, like, like yourself are doing it today. Um, it's interesting also that you're working on uh, waste, waste problems, but also some climate change adaptation mm. problems. The one place where I wonder about the two being kind of connected mm. is the land that's being used for the landfills mm. is, uh, I think it's all like pretty much on the coast, like on the edge of the causeways. Yes. And that's one of the risks, right? Is like mm. high tides. High tides and, and all leeches. I mean, we get a lot of uh, I mean, seawall destruction. Yeah. So because of that, you know, I think there's a uh, last, last, oh, yeah, the, 
a landfill in Bishop, there was a damage that seawall. Yeah. And all those pollu uh, highly polluted water. <laughs> but they did try to fix those uh, issues. But they know that uh, it's not a, a, I mean, a permanent uh, I mean, place to have uh, waste. But they're trying to fill it up as soon as possible. So the plan now is to reclaim that land and to build more like uh, uh, provide space for building as well. So, but the, uh, the next question, where would be the next uh, landfill? Exactly. <laughs> you, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, because land is so. If I'm right, if if I understand this correctly, the challenge with any sort of public like government sort of initiative here that requires land is that the land all belongs to traditional landowners yes. almost all of it almost on tarawa and so that's why most of if you visit uh, tarawa the public buildings are usually on what you call reclaimed land yeah. right and and so the landfills as well i think yeah they are all built on like government property yeah no, but onto the like reclaim onto the coastal area so so how does that work the, the land reclamation so uh i think there's a like a, a system in place uh, so for any land reclamation it has to go through the system through the ministry of environment so, so they yeah, do EIA approved. and to, to get approval for that land reclamation but you know if that pro land is uh belongs to the government especially the coastways those that there's a public property because they build the coastway and somehow the land ah. so that's you know that that's how we you get those i mean landfill uh, allocated in those coastways because that area is belong to the government yeah, so for people listening at home, most of the uh, South Tarawa, where most of the population is, mm. is a string of islets. Yes. And they're connected by causeways, by causeways which mm. are different than bridges, right? They're solid. Yeah, they're solid. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there's, a, there's a, a, an opportunity for the government to use that land because they own that land. Oh, okay. So that's, where, that's why you see all the, those uh, landfill located in these seawalls, like somewhere in Peso, even Peso as well. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that area is part of the government lease so they build it just out out, out in the like uh, coastal area so they use the existing government lease and land as well yeah because i've noticed just over the years sometimes they'll come just uh, just coming down the road from uh Basils on the very western end of of mm. Tarawa. uh and so it's uh, like 40 kilometers or whatever from the other from, oh, from, Baidu, from the other oh, from yeah. well, something like that right mm. yeah and as you pass along you see a lot of old broken seawalls Oh yeah. Um, over time, somebody built a seawall that got overtopped. Mm. Uh, you know, water filled in, mm. and everything. And the risk is if that you know, that was a landfill. Yeah. That's like you said, the <laughs> leachate, garbage, everything. Yeah. yeah so yeah. once you have like the the leaches go, you know, enter the marine, I mean, ecosystem, you get uh, coral bleaching as well, uh, nutrient stuff like enter the yeah. ocean. So <laughs> well, the lagoon. I mean, yeah, the, the lagoon, water quality in the lagoon is not, is not mm, great. Yeah. Not like in the ocean. So yeah. yes, uh, but they do like monitoring every year mm -hmm. behind those areas. So they have to take samples of uh, water, water sample from behind those landfills just to give uh, an eye on the, how pollution exit those uh, landfills. Yeah. Mm. When you um, so when you work with, uh, it sounds like you're working you're, some of these projects you're working with youth mm. and, 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 and definitely working with communities. Mm. You know, where do you think climate change sort of ranks? among the, the, the issues that people, day-to-day -day issues people face. And, but what I mean by that mm. is that, you know, folks from my part of the world, when mm. they hear about Kiribati or they hear about Tuvalu or mm. the Marshall Islands, the images of these islands that are being threatened by rising <laughs> seas and the waves are always crashing inland. And, it, and, uh, and, and so the, the way the story gets told in my part of the world is that it sounds like climate change is the, is the number one thing everybody thinks about. Mm. 
But when you go into the communities, is is that are they talking about climate change? No, or are they talking no. about other things? It's a very different uh, story. It's different, in, right? yeah. They know that sea level rise is part of their daily life. Yeah. They know that uh, one day they get like only you know those uh, storm surges. Yeah. And for them, it's normal. Yeah. But the only uh, I mean issue that they are facing is the, the production of uh, agriculture. Oh, okay. So that's where they understand that somehow the trees and even the fish, the mm. the, the, the production is declined, and they they uh, somehow they understand that it's something related to climate change. But in terms of sea level rise, if you ask them, <laughs> some people they will say, ah, I think, don't think we will sink in maybe fifty years time. We we've been it like this for centuries and centuries, so we don't see any change because they might don't understand like the broader I mean scope of climate change. But for them. Uh, I mean, storm series, uh, I mean, a normal uh, phenomena. So, yeah. but and they been, they've been coping with it for. Yeah, they've been coping. Even they, they get like uh, flash flooding, they, they move somewhere else. But in the outer island, that's a different story compared to Tarawa. Oh, yeah. Can't people, people can't move any you know, further inland because there's a lot of uh, <laughs> I mean, overpopulation. So, yeah. Oh, here. Yeah, in Tarawa. Yeah, so, yeah. a different issue we're facing in Tarawa because yeah. once you have like. Uh, sort of in the coast you can't move further inland because there's a lot of uh, dispute yeah. if you move so you're yeah, facing a lot of issues uh, with sea level rise storm surges so and that's why we get a lot of sea walls uh, uh, supported from the government so through the disaster because, to uh, claim more land mm, yeah and to just to protect those uh, existing structures and building yeah but yeah they do it in like a community uh, project yeah so yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, climate change is, is viewed in different, I mean, contexts and locations. Yeah. On campus. If you ask the people in the outside, they might say something different with people in Tarao. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but most of the issues they are, I mean, notice is the change in how they produce crops and also uh, fish okay. from the fish resources. They know there's a, a slight change in the abundance yeah. of fish stock and also, uh, uh, I mean, coconut crop, I mean, coconut and even vegetables. So. They know there's a, a change in the weather as well. Yeah. But they oh, don't, 100%, they don't like uh, acknowledge climate changes exist. Uh, because there's some survey done, and they were asked if they want to re relocate. But more than 70% or 80%, they said they, they don't want to move. They, they will stay on, on the island. So, yeah. Yeah, no, so. I've, I've, but when I've, uh, we've interviewed people sometimes on other islands and sometimes here, and they'll just say, no, 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 I'll just go down with my island. I'm yeah, not going, that's a, why would I go anywhere? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of uh, issues around that. You know, mobility is a very big thing. Like, uh, well, becoming, uh, what you call the when you move to another country. Migrating, yeah. Yeah, and immigrants uh, some, somehow, like when you move, you leave your country and you become uh, like a, a minority in that country. So don't, no, no one accepts that. So they rather stay on the island. <laughs> so you, I mean, but you did that a little bit, right? You went to mm. uh, went to university, went to University mm. of South Pacific. So you were in Fiji mm. for that. And then you went to, uh, did your master's degree in climate change mm. in, uh, in, well, in New Zealand, in right? New Zealand, yeah. Yes. Um, did you know you were going to come back home afterwards? Yes, uh, yeah. this was my plan. Yeah. Because I know uh, once I complete this program, I have to come back and know. Because uh, my knowledge in climate change is very limited with my degree uh, in marine management. So that's why I have to expand my studies in climate change. Yeah. And maybe I can learn more on you know, new adaptation and mitigation uh, I mean, uh, solutions so I can design something uh, unique, uh, something uh, that works in our context. But even we we do that study in New Zealand, there's a very big difference. 
the TV that they give us is not the Bikapu in our region, I mean, especially in our incubus. They are doing examples from overseas and like countries from overseas. So for me, I think <laughs> I was like 50% wasting my time there. <laughs> I was willing to do some more practical work. Yeah. Rather than like doing something, uh, I would say, I mean, a study on, you know, that is not focused on our context, especially. Because we, I try to link to all these studies that I have done with how we, you know, uh, face this uh, climate change, but somehow it's only a few that we can relate. But yeah, for especially on how we can apply most of the yeah mm, most of the the, the ideas yeah the issues the we have is very different yeah yeah, yeah so, definitely. But it's good that you know all the job you learn a lot, and that's why I decided. I think the best way to provide like a, a, a solution for this is to uh, solve this waste issue, because waste. It uh, is an interconnected issue. With, uh, I mean, even we have social issues there. We have health issues. Yeah. It also uh, contribute to climate change. So, why not focus on waste? And we can, I mean, solve all other issues that are linked to it. <laughs> no, no, no. It sounds good. And what I, what I appreciate about what you're saying too, you definitely you knew you went to the master's degree to get the training, mm. but you knew you wanted to come home because you knew there's problems to solve at mm. home, and you can only do them when you leave from here. Mm. Uh, uh, it's interesting because my first time here. It was in 2005, oh. 18 years ago. Mm. Uh, and in 2007, I worked with this World Bank project that was oh. doing the Kitabasa Adaptation Project. Oh, the CAP? The CAP, yeah. Okay. And just briefly on the coral reef surveys they were doing. Mm. And it was interesting at the time and then since then, what I would just watching is that there's, there's a really like a lot of foreign aid programs, the World Bank, mm. Asian Development Bank, mm. the UN Development Program, mm. and then Australia, New Zealand, New et cetera. Zealand. A lot of programs trying to help Get a bus, right? Like so, <laughs> climate change adaptation funding. I think the CAP, the World Bank. Yeah, project, there's a the lot of money uh, funding in that project as well. Yeah, no, a lot of money. Lot of but money. at the beginning, and and like what I was watching over time is that the money. It felt like the F, it, it was all there to help Kitabas, but mm. the money was sort of being recycled because what happened is that they were trying to get people like me to come here <laughs> to like, do the work. More than fifty like, percent well, yeah, more, more than fifty yeah. percent of that fund goes to the technical. Yeah, so it uh, actually doesn't stay stay in the country so much. Mm. And um, but I get the sense uh, I don't know just in what, being here the past couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, that that's really changed a lot. Mm. Uh, do you have that feeling that that's changed? That there's a lot more yes. of the money staying here. Yeah, yeah. The, and that's also the position of the government now. Yeah. Because most of the project, what they are trying to do is to invest like more than 80% and they are trying to promote like nationalism. Yeah. So they are trying to encourage like local consultants to go, to apply for this post. So we don't have to <laughs> waste those money for like overseas uh, experts. Right. Because they said you have the potential, you can you know, compete as well. And you know your land and you, you know your context, you understand everything. So once you enter that, uh, you know, Consultancy week, you everything you have, you need to know is there. So, and that's the another, that's a big change. Yeah, that's the big change. Even this, uh, I mean, a lot of youth are focusing on like trying to promote and trying to improve how they can enter this uh, consultancy work and try to provide like local consultancy. So those funding projects don't have to <laughs> waste it in like <laughs> inviting like uh, very expensive uh, consultant from overseas because they bring the overseas consultants in and. Okay, they might have some expertise on water, mm. you know, on fixing the 
the holes in the water mm. water system here, mm. et cetera. Right? Like they, you know, uh, detecting leaks or something. So maybe they have some mm. expertise, but they have to learn the context. Yeah, that's the. And mean. if there's one thing I've learned over the years here, the con have, knowing the context is more important than yeah. having the subject matter yeah, expertise. Even if you have like the technical skills, but if yeah. you don't understand the context, you can't apply those. No, absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah. And that was, you know, I I only end up working on the the cap mm. uh, because. I had been here in 2005 and done these coral reef surveys, mm. um, you know, together with some folks in fisheries. And then I was trying to suggest, hey, we should start some sort of monitoring program. And I heard about the World Bank and I was writing to them saying, you should do this. And then when they ended up uh, advertising to have somebody come, mm. they asked me to do it because I'd been here before. Mm. Uh, but even then, I came back and I still, even then, I don't think I knew enough. I'd only been here one mm. time, right? And uh, and now you don't need somebody like me, you know, mm. Aaron Tace or some of the other folks in the country. They can mm. run that program. Mm. There's no yeah. need to bring in an yeah. outsider. And so it's so good to see mm. um, that like folks like you have been um, are taking the yeah. you're taking the jobs that were being <laughs> given to the foreigners. They should never have gone to the foreigners. But it's cool. Like uh, you know, the way we should, we should do it is like to have like uh, an exchange of our yeah. knowledge and skills while we are working with them as well. Because once we our people are you know. You know, probably, uh, uh, I mean, trained in how they can I mean, do this research. Then we can shift from that later. But it's good to have like Westerners to provide like support as well. Yeah. Not not entirely. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, block them. But it's good to have like. Uh, but not majority of the work will be. Yeah, they should uh, be the twenty percent, not the eighty yeah, percent. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> because we also uh, need to learn a lot because you no, know, there's a lot of development in this area, so we need a lot to update. <laughs> What do you see as the biggest threat from climate change here? I think it's the cultural uh, impact. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For that, uh, maybe it depends on, but for me, yeah. Because uh, some people are tending to relocate, especially our bright and young uh, people. Yeah. And they are trying to relocate to New Zealand. And that's uh, one of the main issues of brain train. Oh, yeah. And because we are trying to promote this, uh, I know, skilled people like local skilled people you know to invest in our country and try to you know design something like uh that uh, is uh, proper to our i mean context so but uh, now we're also getting people are uh, moving away and that's uh, another impact of climate change it doesn't you know, impact them like physically but somehow they're m mentally yeah because uh, they some people they might say man there's no use of staying here you know invest our time and money and then after 50 years or generation will <laughs> disappear so it's better that we go and in, invest somewhere else but that's the main issue because we need a lot of uh, you know uh, skilled people you know staying on the island and, you know help contribute yeah, to absolutely. this development so that's no, my people like you need to be here <laughs> <laughs> and i've been trying to pro i mean that's my because some of my colleagues yeah, they're planning to you know relocate say man what you need there you, you go there you don't get any good job there because you'll be, be someone like uh like coming from the island and it's very hard to compete in New mm. Zealand somewhere, like with your qualification as well. And you know, that's, that, that place is very uh, competitive, but at least you have a, a, an opportunity. Yeah. Why not just invest and contribute to your country? We ended the conversation by talking about the politics of climate change and migration. And it's worth providing a little bit of context, which I should have done during the interview itself. You see, Kiribati's former president, Anote Tong, traveled the world talking about the existential threat that sea level rise plays to his country. And during those travels, his government would promote an initiative called Migration with Dignity. Now, the idea was to create job training programs in countries like Australia, 
Countries that have shortages in areas that youngy Kiribati people might want to fill, like caring for elders. And the hope was that this would lead to the development of more Kiribati expat communities abroad. In that way, if Kiribati's day of reckoning does come, migrants would be joining existing communities and be able to maintain their culture rather than be treated as refugees. It was a well-supported idea, except not by the current government. And as I've learned in talking to young people in Kiribati, as much as people like the idea, this constant message about migration left a pretty complicated legacy at home. So back to the conversation with Kaya. You know, under the previous president, uh, Anote mm. Tong, was the idea of migration with yes. dignity, right? So mm. uh, Tong became pretty well known around the world yeah. for promoting uh, the, you know, Kiribati's, mm. cha Kiribati's challenges. Mm. Uh, and everything, and I think it did, did a really good job of doing so. But I wonder if that, what you're saying was there a, <laughs> a kind of accidental yes. negative that it scared yeah. some people yeah, that's, here. Yeah, I think that that, that position was uh, maybe for that government was uh, you know that's the their position they're trying to uh, I mean uh, raise it. But uh, for this government is is promoting like nationality. Yeah. And for us, I we see that is uh, I mean a very good I mean uh, I mean focus to contribute in that area because. Yeah. We know that we are capable, and it's going to be a very sad moment if you leave your country. Like, uh, you can't take it anymore. But at least we try. Why not yeah. just stay? Yeah. If you can't, just try and, you know, help your country. Well, and that's the thing, like a place, uh, if, you know, if, if this atoll mm. was located right off the coast of Sydney, Australia, oh, or right off the coast of Los Angeles, mm. The money and the resources would be there to mm. raise land, to, yeah. to build, to uh, to raise land, to build massive mm. seawalls and everything, and adaptation would be seen as yeah. possible. And the only reason I think that people don't see it as possible here is because yeah. it's it's a pretty isolated country compared, you yeah. know, to other parts of the Pacific yeah. even. And getting the resources, getting the funds, and everything mm. here here is hard. But but mm. you can try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, there's, there's no uh, risk in trying. Yeah. So it's better to try rather than just <laughs> hoping for the this. But yeah, I think that's what the mission we're trying to um, embrace. Like, well, yeah, for, especially for those uh, skilled people. You know, yeah. It's better that we all you know, stay on, in Kiribati and maybe, you know, we have, we have a lot of uh, obligation to, for our country and also for our family. But even if we leave, we don't live with our extended family. <laughs> so, what if you, uh, the feeling of leaving your family back home is very, uh, you know, sometimes we get uh, <laughs> emotional yeah. uh, for that. So, for us, it's like because we have this uh, extended family, uh, I mean, experience, I mean, I mean, I mean, structure. So, that's why we think not for ourselves, but for the, like, the overall uh, community and, and the family. So, we try our best and, you know, provide what we learn and what we have, you know, at least we, we have the opportunity to study and, so why not, you know, help our family and our people as well? Yeah, and it's very, what you're describing is very different than a lot of uh, North America and in mm. parts of Europe where people focus mostly on the nuclear family, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the, the parents, the, the parents children. And the children and then, you know, maybe some of the, you see the relatives yeah, a little bit, but that's very different yeah. here. Uh, a lot mm. of people live, communal, yeah. you live with your entire extended family, mm. everybody contributes. And if I'm right, there's the even the words for, the Kiribati words for like parent, like mom, dad, aunt, uncle, everything, they're kind of similar words. Yes. 
So yeah, everything is like uh, based on uh, like communal and family, uh, extended family. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a different thing uh, about uh, you know a different context in Kinkas. Yeah. And most of our uh, like uh, I mean adaptation uh, I mean plans are based on this. Uh, I mean uh, uh, I mean extended family and community and communal life. Uh. So yeah. we work for the for the majority. So we don't work for ourselves, but we yeah. try to work and you know to get the you know the benefit to. You know, distributed this, uh, you know, everyone on the island. So. Is there anything else you want? You'd want people, uh, you know, people listening to this might be at home in in, in in my part of the world. Is there anything else you'd want them to know about Kiribati? I think uh, maybe a small uh, message, like uh, maybe to our people as well, uh, and especially to a message to our other people around the world. Like, uh, I think it's best to you know uh, invest your skills and you know time and. You know, Promoting a development in your country, even though we are you're facing a lot of issues, but it's good to try, you know. And because in the end, you feel good if you know that you're doing this, the, the right thing, and not leaving your country, but you know, spending your life working to improve those issues. I think that's for me. I, I'll feel good if I <laughs> I spend my entire life working for my country and you know supporting my family. So it's more of a you know contributing back to your country. I think that's the message I want to you know, promote to our people, especially young generation as well. But they, uh, I hope they get that message and <laughs> they reassess their plans as well. <laughs> and it's a wonderful message, and, and especially because I, when you say country, mm. country I think means something a bit different here mm. even than it does at home. Whereas country is really about the the the, pe the kid about the people. people. Like it's yeah. not nationalism exactly nah, as yeah. much as it is. Like the, it goes down to the community and yeah, the family. the culture really. Yeah, right? your culture. Yeah. Safeguarding your culture. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, I think that's uh, the main message I want to, <laughs> I, you know, provide the people and also to our, you know, people on the island. But <laughs> oh, Karapa, this has been a wonderful <laughs> conversation. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thanks, of course, to Kaea for all of his insights and to everybody at The George for letting us hunker down on one of the outside tables to record this episode. And thanks also to Aaron Woods, as always, for helping produce this show. In our next episode, we travel to Fiji to gather some different perspectives on climate change. And I speak to Salote Nasalo, a really impressive young activist. I can't wait for you to hear this one.